everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. November is Native American Heritage Month, and today we are excited to welcome Naomi Langstrong to This Week in Skating. For those of you who aren't familiar with Naomi, Naomi is a member of the Kaduk tribe and was the first Native American female athlete to participate in the Winter Olympics. With her partner, Peter Chernyshev, they were two-time Four Continents champions, five-time U.S. dance champions, and 2002 Olympians. Earlier this year, she was inducted into the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame. Naomi is now the director of solo ice dance at the Ice Den Chandler Scottsdale in Arizona. She is also part of a synchronized skating team, Tenacity, and Naomi is also mom of five. So we want to welcome Naomi to This Week in Skating. Welcome, Naomi. Hi, Naomi. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to talk about my story. Yeah, and you're joining us just before you have to go to the ring for the day. It's early there in Arizona, right? Yes, I'm just waking up to my morning coffee um, to join you guys, <laughs> drop the kids at school, so I am free. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so glad that you have time to join us today, and we're excited for you to share your story, because even though, you know, running IceDance.com, you and Peter were pretty much, you know, at the peak of your careers when I was really getting IDC started. So it's exciting for me to hear your story from you. Yeah, I'm super excited. I don't feel like I've been able to really talk about it um, much. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to be here. Okay, so let's just get started with Let's go way back. Let's start by going way back. Um, okay. How did you get started skating? So it's kind of a funny story. Um, way back in the day when there was Smurfs on Ice and things like that, um, I went to see the show Smurfs on Ice because it was my favorite cartoon. Um, and I got picked to ride the sleigh around the arena at the end of the show. And I just remember seeing all the, the ladies and their beautiful costumes and the lights and the arena the wind in my hair and that was kind of it for me I was like you know what I really want to try this this looks really cool I want to do this someday um so I went to public sessions after that and just as soon as I got on the ice I realized I was kind of lapping people I'm like "Ooh, I'm really fast like (laughs) this is cool um so then my mom signed me up for learn to skate classes and I kind of flew through those levels as well. And it's all thanks to Smurfs on Ice. <laughs> Smurfs on Ice. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if I remember hearing about that or even seeing it. Of course, Disney on Ice. Oh, but, it was yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, and now, how did you then get into like the ice, dan- ice dancing? Yeah. So after I completed all my learn to skate levels, I moved on to freestyle um, I didn't really start concentrating on dancing until I was 15. Um, uh, we didn't really have ice dance at our rink in Kalamazoo at that time. Right now, it's like this huge plethora of ice dancer, beautiful ice dancers. So I think that's really cool. But we didn't really have any back in the day in Kalamazoo. So I had to move to Detroit Skating Club, where Igor Spielben had just 
defected from Torvalentine on ice, their show. So he had moved to Detroit um, to start training people. Uh, so we, I was like one of his very first students, first generation Igor Schwielden. Um, So he trained me from when I was, I started with him when I was 10 going back and forth. And then 15, I got my first partner. So basically since I was 10 years old, I've been developed by Igor Schwielben. Um, So that's kind of a cool fact, first generation. Uh, And then after that, I got my first partner at age 15. And it's a really long story. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if you guys remember when you used to go to nationals and you'd have like partner tryouts at the end. Yes, I do remember that. Right? They don't have those anymore, but they don't. Have like a mosh pit. Just throw you out. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. I do remember that was kind of coming to an end when I started going to nationals, which was mid two thousand the mid 2000 I think 2006 it started to come to an end at yeah that point. huh I'm sad because that brought a lot of people together you know um but that's where I met John Lee um and we basically skated together the whole time we were there just because we we matched so well um and so we decided to skate together from that point and he moved to Detroit to train with Igor and I um from Chicago so that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, that was my novice year. We ended up winning novice our first year together. Um, and then we were second in junior the next year. Um, I would say it was it was definitely an interesting experience. I think our personalities didn't quite match up at that point in time we really did work hard together um we just came from two different places so it was hard to mesh I guess you could say and you know when it happens when your parents don't get along I've had that happen in my teams that didn't work either so it was kind of we had the perfect stage name Lang and Lee but nothing really worked behind the scenes, mm. <laughs> unfortunately but we did have a lot of success and we were um, very well matched um, unfortunately, the other things got in the way. So yeah, that's my no. beginning. I stand story. <laughs> that is um, there. I think sometimes people will watch a team and see that there is this great connection. They're able to skate so well together. They were they're a great match, but maybe don't understand that it's more than just what you see on the ice that leads to a successful team. It really takes like all of the components falling into place, like with families and personalities, all of that makes up Mm -hmm. a successful Mm -hmm. team. I know that Meryl and Charlie's parents have talked about that before, about how they did get along and they built a successful partnership for the team, everyone working together. And it, yeah, it can't, it, the ice is one thing, but if you don't have all the other pieces working together, it's not going to be successful. It might work for a while, but yeah. long term, right. it's probably going to break down. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You gotta, it takes a village to keep mm-hmm. a team happy and together. It really does. So what was it like 
in the early days of Igor's school, because as you said, your first generation <laughs> working with Igor Spielbond in his um, new <laughs> program. I mean, he's still in Michigan yeah. training yeah. ice dancers now. That. Yeah, and he was well, in yeah. Finland this weekend with, you know, teams. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I still consider him to be the best technician of young skaters. Um, everything that I teach now pretty much comes from him and Elizabeth Coates who they joined together. Um, it's just the technique that they both brought to us is instilled in me forever and I will never forget it. Um, so yes, he is one of the best technicians to build a skater from the beginning all the way to Olympics. He has all that in him. Some, you know, some coaches, they get you at already a national champion, so they don't have to build that foundation, but he is able to build from the beginning to the end, which is, I think is super rare. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite an experience. Um, my whole life I've been coached by Russians um, and now, you know, with the conflicts going on, unfortunately, it's, it's hard to think about all the politics that are happening right now because I do have a lot of skating friends in Russia. My partner right now is in Russia. So um, it, it's different. So um, they definitely have a different mentality. I remember coming into practice one day, I was like super happy about something. I don't remember what it was. And one of the Russians here was like, why do you smile all the time? You're supposed to be working. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Just different cultures, oh, you know, yeah. they're, they're there to work, they're, they, they're to succeed, they're there to win their medals. And for me, it was more like, okay, I get to skate today. I'm happy about this. This is, you know, it's a different experience for Americans versus, I think, Russian mentality. Um, Igor was hard. He was very intense. Like, if you didn't do your crossover correctly, you were going to do your crossover for an hour until you got it right. I will guarantee you, I can do a progressive to the best of my ability now. You know, I will never forget how to do a progressive <laughs> or a chasse or anything. Just, you know, those little tiny details that make you champion are really drilled into you. And it teaches you discipline, um, t mental toughness. You know, you uh, have to go through those things of not being perfect all the time because you're not. And um, sometimes that's hard to swallow. So he taught me a lot, a lot of good things in my skating career. Now, when did you join up with Peter and how did that happen? So <laughs> um, after John and I broke up, so, and it, the reasoning is just so silly. Um, you know, obviously our parents didn't get along, but the ultimate reason was I was maturing as a girl. I had gained a little bit of weight, so I was hurting John's back apparently so that was the main reason why they broke up even though everything else wasn't working it was mainly my weight and I was like think back now and I'm like okay well I was like 109 pounds like soaking wet you know what I mean so to me I look back at it and I was devastated at the time um but it, I you know sometimes it's not because of that so anyways the moral of this story is Basically, I had to quit skating after that because we were financially not able to pay for it. My mom was a single mom. Um, she was working double shifts, like night shifts, morning shifts. She'd take me to school. 
She's driving back three hours back and forth to Detroit to pick me up. I would go to school Monday through Friday with Eve Shalom. I lived with her. I went to school at Groves High School in Bluefield Hills, Michigan, so I could train. Um, and just financially, the bills were just, as you know, unbelievably expensive. And um, we were kind of drowning. So our phone got shut off. You know, we um, we owed lots of money for skating. Um, so I had to quit. So I was like, okay, well, that's it. You know, I'm going to go to high school. I'm going to be a cheerleader. I'm going to like own that if I have to. I was, you know, obviously devastated. So I'm at home and <laughs> I get a letter in the mail, a handwritten letter from Peter Chernyshev. And I was like, what? What is this? Okay, who writes letters? <laughs> like, I guess if your phone's not working, you write letters. So um, I open it up and it's this letter and I still have it to this day in broken English written out um, saying basically, hello, Naomi, I saw you at Nationals. I really like your skating. I hear you've broken up with your partner. I have also broken up with my partner and wondering if you could come try out with me to see if we're a good match. He goes, I will pay for your whole trip to Lake Placid, New York, as I understand finances are hard for you. Um, and if things work out, we will pay for your whole first year of skating to come train in Lake Placid, New York. And I was like, <laughs> when does that ever happen? Yeah, no. Wow. Never. Does a, no. A male in the sport ever pay <laughs> for a female in the sport? I was like, that never happens. Oh my gosh. It especially like, at that time. Yeah. Especially exactly at that time. When, you know, yeah. people were basically buying Russian skaters to skate with, you mm -hmm. know? So, like, he offered to pay for my whole first year. And honestly, when I got there, we worked together so perfectly. It was like my leg went up, his was like right there. You know, like my posture was here, his was right there. Um, and then I was worried. I was like, oh, God, is he going to be able to lift me or, you know, whatever? He was throwing me over his shoulders, whipping me around. We were hydroblading. I was like, he's like, you're so light. And I was like, oh, thank you. He's like, you're so easy to lift. This is great. This is no problem for me. So, you know, it just all it was like such a blessing and literally kept me skating. He like kind of saved me, he came in and swooped me up and saved me. And then we kind of took off after that. So we were able to get our feet back to, on the ground financially. And um, so it was just, it was such a blessing. Like, thank God for Peter. <laughs> wow. And I'm glad you still have that letter. That's I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's never going anywhere. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. That's pretty special that um, he kind of, you know, picked you up and, helped you continue your career when it seemed like it wasn't going to be yeah. possible. Right. And a letter. Yeah. I mean, a letter. A, letter. a, letter. <laughs> a handwritten letter. <laughs> yeah. We rely now on cell phones, Emails. ice party search, yeah. email, like all of those things. Um, yeah. Hearing that a partnership was started because of a letter is... Yeah, it's rare. It's not something that we really think about now because we're in a land of technology where that it's just easy to reach out and connect with people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very old school, very um 
it's going to be sentimental to me for all time. You know, like I'll probably hand that down. (laughs) (laughs) Like, look what can happen in life if you just have hope, you know? So, so talk to us a little bit about your career with Peter, um, what you were able to accomplish together. Yeah. So our first year together, um, we were just so kind to mesh. We were actually third at nationals, which was, oh no, sorry. We were fifth at nationals. Um, we actually were fourth after compulsory dances, but I had a fall in the free dance. Um, training in Lake Placid was a little difficult for me. I had, I did my senior year of high school. I graduated from Lake Placid High School, which is right across the street from the building. Um, and I just felt a little bit alone there. There weren't very many skaters my age. They were all older than me. Um. So I don't feel like I put in 100% when I was there. Um, I don't know if it was because I was lonely and I didn't really have that many friends or, you know, I had so many in Detroit. And so to go there and just be myself was really hard. Um, And sometimes the language barrier, too, would um, affect us. Like he would say something and I would take it a different way, but he didn't mean it that way. Um, So... Once we got all that worked out, um, it seemed to kind of mesh and flow better the second year. So after our fifth place placement, we moved back to Igor in Detroit. Um, And that's where I feel like I felt more comfortable. Um, And I was back with my Detroit family and skaters, and we just kind of took off from there. It was like we had the right program. We had off-ice training. We had um a group of skate like we had Liz Liz and Jared there to look up to you know it wasn't just us skating on ice like by ourselves so we had somebody to like oh we should be doing it like that looking ahead in the future if we want to win um there were up and coming teams too chasing us so like you had to keep pushing yourself so it was a great atmosphere um so the second year we ended up third Yes. And then the five years after that, we won. So um, it was just kind of like, I look back and I'm like, wow, it seems like a short amount of time, but not at the same time. (laughs) It's a lot of hard work, you know, that you put in at the rink every day. And uh, yeah. Um, Was there a specific year that I loved? I think all of them are different all overcome obstacles in different ways. So um, I don't know. Which one was your favorite? (laughs) (laughs) What was it like when you made the Olympic team and were able to compete at a home Olympics in Salt Lake City? Yeah. So um, we, after we had felt like we had kind of outgrown Detroit, I believe that was in 2001. Um, we had to make the hard decision of moving away from my beloved coaches. We moved to Sasha Julin just for a fresh perspective on skating um, because he was just, just moved to New Jersey from Moscow. Um, I was a huge fan of Alexander Julin. I wanted to be her. Like I just loved their presence on the ice. So to be able to train with him and work with him was like kind of a dream come true for me. Um, so we were with him at the time and living in New Jersey. Uh, the, it was kind of 
the months leading up to the Olympics, we didn't know if it was going to happen because of 9-11. So basically, the skaters that were training there, um, we watched the Twin Towers fall from the apartment building across the water. We literally saw it happen. Um, and we had just gotten home from Australia. I believe it was Goodwill Games and had driven through the city the night before looking at the Twin Towers and saying, what a beautiful night it is. How cool is this to be back in New York, you know? And then the very next day I wake up and I'm like, literally thought it was a movie. I was like, well, this is a terrible movie. I'm changing the channel. And it was on every channel. So I was like, okay, something's happening. And then we literally watched it with our own eyes. Um, so to not know if the Olympics was going to happen, not knowing what was happening, obviously we were all very crushed and heartbroken for the people who lost their lives, like right in front of our eyes. You just saw families like holding signs, like with missing loved ones and there's nothing you could do. So you kind of, I kind of had to dig myself out of a hole after that and just had to tell myself, okay, Naomi, what can you do to help? And so what I could do to help was skate, to entertain, to provide joy. So if I didn't get back on the ice, I wasn't going to be able to do that. So I need to pull myself together, get back on the ice, start training. If the Olympics happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You're still going to entertain the people. So obviously it ended up happening and we had the most amazing Olympics because of the spirit of the United States of America was so around us and protecting us. We just felt so protected in the Olympic Village. There was security everywhere. Um, the fans just like, you just felt like you were hugged every time you got into the stadium or a practice or anything. Um, so the support was just amazing. And I just remember um, we got a standing ovation for our free dance and just all these yellow roses flying from the building. And I think that was because they chose yellow because of like attributing uh, to camaraderie and coming together um, was the yellow color friendship um so that's why they chose the color that was super cool to see that happen i went back to my hotel room and packed up all my roses into buckets and i had like 10 10 buckets of yellow roses i still have a picture of that it was super cool good good memory yeah now when did you guys end your career when did you decide it was time to stop competing yeah so Again, it feels like looking back such a short amount of time, but it was a very long time, lots of struggles, lots of complications to get where we were. So I was feeling super kind of done after, two, it was 2004. Um, we had just finished the Champions on Ice Tour in 2003, and I was just not feeling skating anymore. It kind of was like, okay, there's there's more out there. I've been skating my whole life. I've been under a spotlight being, you know, picked apart at times. Like, I don't want to do, I just want to be me and like, see what else is out there. Um, and not have to come to training every day, not to have to like show up for this or that. So, um, I think it was 2004, we retired and, you know, obviously Peter didn't want to retire. He wanted to keep going. He would, I think he's still skating. I think he's still starting in shows in Moscow at this point in time. Um, 
but you know, it wasn't for me. The training part wasn't for me anymore. I wanted to do more of the show. So 2004 is when we started. And yeah, and you did shows and stuff. I mean, afterwards, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, it was changing from competition life to show life was amazing. Um, It was kind of where kind of I wanted to be in the beginning from Smurfs on Ice. You know what I mean? (laughs) So now I finally get to live that show dream of sparkly dresses, playing a character, um, doing different things, learning new choreography every show. Um, Everything was just always new and exciting. Um, And most of the time we got to, you know, basically star in these shows. So, you know, you see your name on the front of a, humongous billboard in Moscow you're like whoa that's me you know like and I do believe I was the first American to transition to Russian shows you know I don't think anybody else was able to do that um and that's you know thanks to Peter and his his connections as well uh but that was cool to live kind of how they lived to live in Russia in Moscow for months at a time um, and learn their culture as well. It's important to learn different cultures. So fast forward to post-show life, or actually, were you coaching? Did you start coaching while you were still doing shows? I actually started coaching when I was 18. So I w- I started with Learners Gate in New Jersey. Um um, and also learned to skate at Detroit Skating Club. So um, I started very early on coaching little kids. Um, so basically 18 until now, I've been not a full-time coach the whole time. Just in, from 2004 until now, I was a, I was, have been a full-time coach. And how did you get over in Arizona? <laughs> like um, you don't think Arizona is like yeah. a skating community, yeah. but you're you and we're gonna talk about it, but you've got quite a community over there in Arizona. So I always wanna know how did you like land in Arizona? That's so funny because <laughs> everyone's always like, There are rinks in Arizona. Isn't it like really hot there? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's really hot here, first of all. Um, but yeah, it it was kind of like I got ma- my first marriage. Um, so his family retired in Arizona. So I was pregnant with my second child and we kind of needed more help. So we decided at that point in time that moving to Arizona would be more beneficial for family purposes and, you know, help and just being around family. Um, and that's the main decision why I moved to Arizona. Um So it's definitely different from living in Michigan, being born in Northern California and living in New York or New Jersey and Connecticut. It's completely different. Um, You don't really have green. You have to travel three hours north to get green or snow, but you can travel three hours south and kind of be in Mexico, six hours over here and you're in California. So we're in like a good spot to go places. Um, And honestly, Figure skating in Arizona is perfect because it is so hot outside. We need to go to the skating rinks, you know, like because it's 120 degrees. The skating rink is a perfect place to be. Um, Yeah. When I first moved to Arizona, we didn't really have a lot 
of high level ice dancers. So I was teaching mostly um, like learn to skate level freestyle skaters. Um, and I do believe Scottsdale at that time had pair skaters, um, but there was no ice dance really. So I started building, this is when solo dance like first kind of came. I think it was like maybe year three that solo ice dance came out as like competitions and you could qualify for a nationals. So I had this one girl um, transition from freestyle. She's like, I don't want to jump anymore. I'm a ballet dancer. I want to do ice dance. Perfect. Guess who that was? Karina Monta. <laughs> Joe. Yep. So she was my very first, in my very first group of ice dancers um, coaching. So she was actually ended up winning, I believe it was novice, um, novice combined that year. And so that was really exciting for me. I had my first national champion, literally the first year I did solo ice dance. So that was, I mean, it was Karina. She's beautiful. Yeah. Um, uh, she made my job really easy. And then after that, it just kind of took off. I just kept building. I left the rink I was working at because I, uh, my husband and I divorced. So I moved to the ice den. Um, and they literally just kind of let me take the reins. They're like, I wanted to start a solo dance team. They're like, go do it. You're, you know, see what you can do with it. Um, and now to this day, after five years, we have 24 solo ice dancers. 12 went to nationals last year. I had so many events. I couldn't sit down um, <laughs> at nationals, but it's always super fun um, to have these girls go from preliminary. I have one that went from preliminary with me. She's now international level competing this year and off to college after that. So I'm like, here, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a satisfying feeling to watch these girls grow up and, and skate. It's really exciting because Anne came up with the idea of doing a series on solo dancers because of a chance meeting. I think she had with the grandmother or the mother of one of your solo dancers and this particular dancer has gone on to be a police officer and Anne oh, thought, yeah <laughs> and Anne thought that was the coolest thing so she started with that one article and then did an entire series on solo dance just talking to different dancers and coaches and people involved in the sport to kind of draw some attention to it because it had been around for a while but now solo dance is starting to really get recognized with international opportunities which I guess are still getting worked out but how did you feel when you found out that solo dance was going to be going international especially after all of the work that you had put into developing your program in Chandler? Yeah, I was very excited. Um, I got asked to be on the solo dance committee two years ago. So that was really special to me. So I kind of get all the updates before everybody else, which is kind of fun. Um, so that is just, it is a work in progress. They're, they're still working some things out um, with the different skating communities, um, skating nations. Uh, but 
it's going to be huge. Like this is the next step to something really big because, you know, obviously for me, it worked out where Peter came and saved me. But for a lot of these girls, it's not, you know, that's not real reality. It can happen, but for the most part, it doesn't. So for them to have an outlet of a stage they can perform on solo and be recognized for it and get to go all the way international is, I think, going to be super huge for the sport. Um, I hope it goes Olympic someday. I mean, if you could see, and I'm sure you've been to solo dance competitions, the way our senior skaters skate is like, even our intermediate, even the lower levels, the standard is so fantastic. Like in my day, I could have never skated that fast. I mean, the standard is, they skate so fast, they twizzle so fast, their edges, their robes are so deep. And you can do that by yourself and sometimes not with a partner because you're restricted to go where each other goes, you know? So the edge level and the, the pattern sizes are just really cool to see. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, it's pretty incredible to look at like the early years of going to Lake Placid and where solo dance was at that time to where it was this year when I was there. And we, I mean, I got to see like the top skaters in the country at some of those levels. And it's incredible what they're able to do. And I'm excited that they're going to have an opportunity to be able to showcase that on a bigger stage than just a national competition. Yeah, I, I think it, it really needs to be seen like that just because of how good they really are. Like the speed Lucas has is you can't really see it on it through the video of how no. fast he actually goes. You like can't. it's just how and his coach let me stand with him at his practice. They're like, Here, stand with Naomi, I gotta go to practice, Steven. He's like I'm like, Oh, okay (laughs) i love lucas i like i'm his fan so um i got to sit there and watch him practice like okay how was that i was like beautiful (laughs) like i can't even like correct that it was so good and he's like oh he's just so humble so much naomi thank you for your help you know i'm like and i'm just like giggling like oh my gosh that was so good (laughs) (laughs) we had lucas and brooke on earlier before nationals just to talk about what makes ice um solo dance special to them because as the top two in the country they've just been in the title has changed hands a couple of times between the two of them and we kind of wanted to focus on what makes it special uh so that fans might get interested in it a little bit because it is a bit different than the you know paired partner dance um but you're right finding partners for all of these girls is it's not gonna happen for everyone if you're lucky enough to get a partner then you know then i feel like there's a pressure to hold on to your partner because there's Mm -hmm. always going to be someone that's going to be trying to get him away from you or you know maybe not you know, maliciously, but there's always someone else waiting. It seems right. like with, yeah. with dance 
And it's easier, I think, to get partners now because we have different tools in place. But I know in the past it was it was just so difficult in the 2000s getting a partner was it. Like you said, they had the the partner tryouts after nationals. And I don't think a lot of teams really came from those because it was such an imbalance of girls to boys, women to men ratio. And it's always been that way. Yeah. And and like, look, if so it is, what if the guy doesn't want a partner? You know, mm-hmm. maybe they want to do it by themselves. And that's okay, too. So I feel like solo dance kind of opens that door to, you know what, maybe if my personality is not matching this personality, um, you have a strong personality, you want to win, and sometimes the guys don't, or vice versa, you could go alone and just push yourself. So um, I think that's a, it's going to be a really cool outlet. And Brooke has also been such an amazing national champion, you know, encouraging all the girls, doing all those interviews with the kids at nationals. Um, that was really, really neat that she was giving attention to all the skaters, even like, again, even if they weren't a medalist, but had an outstanding performance, you know? So, um, yeah, she's doing a lot to promote Soleil Dance as well. I think that they're both incredible ambassadors and it's not just them. There are so many solo dancers that are just, um, they're, they're good kids. They are trying to showcase their very best. And those interviews were all Brooke's idea. She <laughs> reached out to me and said, Hey, good for her. That's we, awesome. yeah, we had, we had done an interview with her and had put something, we had put some things together with her and she wanted to, you know, she came to me with this idea and said, Hey, I think I can interview do some interviews. I had no idea that she was going to be interviewing as many skaters as it, as she did. I had no idea the professionalism that she brought to the table. Um, it was incredible to be able to have those available on IDC. They're still there for anyone who wants to check them out. We'll link to them in the show notes. Um, even for her event, when she... You know, she can't interview herself. She brought in one of her fellow solo dancers, Mina, to conduct the interviews to make sure that we had a full set. And yeah, it's incredible. It's something She's we so definitely, yeah, yeah, we want to build I can see on that it in her future for sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> She's going to be some, bu- some kind of host for sure. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. We want to build on that in the future. Like, I want to continue to have her involved in doing these types of things. She's already talked about doing it at some of her competitions next year. And I'm excited about that because I think it's going to bring more attention. Yeah. Yeah. We all go through each competition. It's not just national. So that's right. Yeah. So it's a different perspective. This year, IDC really, um, about halfway through the season is when I built a solo dance, a section that's devoted just to solo dance. And I worried about doing it halfway through the year because, you know, the season's halfway done. You know, should I just wait till next season? 
And we didn't, you know, Ann and I worked on it. We developed it, got it out there. There was a great response. Um, I did an open call and said, hey, who wants to blog from nationals? I had four or five kids reach out to me and I just thought, they're all different levels. I'm not going to pick just one of them. I'm going to let them all blog. And so I let everybody do it um, because I just thought it would bring different perspectives to what it's like getting ready for competition. So we're going to continue to do that next season as well. Um, And it helps that the season kind of gets started while um, the regular dance season, the partner dance season is coming to an end because trying to keep up with both of them at the same time would be... (laughs) it yeah it is because (laughs) there's so much going on i mean we're in the middle of grand prix season and it's so incredibly busy and so i think it does help that they're not like both amped up at the same time um so i want to talk a little bit about your tribe um the kaduk tribe and you know what it meant for you to be the first Native American female athlete to compete in the Winter Olympics, what what does that mean to you? And what do you think it sets up for future um, Native Americans who are interested in competing in winter sports? Or just you as a role model to help, you know, push that and and help them realize that it's something that can be achieved yeah um so growing up uh, my parents were not together I grew up my mom was a single mom as I mentioned before um so I I kind of grew up without the laying side of my family um and knowing the native traditions or um, my tribe doesn't live on a reservation. They still actually own their original territories. Um, and it's the most beautiful land. It's untouched. It's If you could ever go there, it's just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Um, but I, I grew up kind of without knowing exactly what our traditions were or our language. Um, so I had an idea. My mom really tried hard to keep me in the loop of my heritage. We would visit powwows in Michigan, um, just to kind of keep me involved in my culture. I would dance um, in the powwows as a child. Um, So, you know, she really did her best. Um, My my father was an alcoholic, therefore we couldn't stay in that situation. She had to take me out of the situation um, for me to succeed in life, basically. Um, So... Being at the Olympics and being the first Native American woman to compete there, I was involved in a lot of different things because of that. So they cho- the Team USA chose me to go down ice level at the opening ceremonies and give out um, the opening ceremony, the gift to the five nations. So there were five different athletes and five different um, Natives on horseback. So all these, they rode toward us and that the leaders of each five nations were riding towards us on the ice. And it just was like a glimpse of history. It's like you were just thrown back in time. It was the coolest thing ever. So they're like marching towards us gallantly, 
on horseback, you know, all in their native attire um, regalia. And it's, you could just see on the video uh, when they scanned to my face, my smile, I was like, <laughs> it was like he was shocked. And so I gave my gift and that was it. I turned around and went back to my seat, but that was a really cool honor that I, I got to do. Um, and, you know, making history, being the first Native American woman, it's, it's like, I'm so honored and I'm so happy I was able to do that, but it's also bittersweet that it hasn't happened before, you know, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. and still to this day, I am the only figure skater, I would say, um, competing at an elite level to this day, only native. So there's, I find also something wrong with that. Um, it's a very big honor. I've, I've had so many kids do history stories on me saying, hey, you're in my history book and I'm going to do my report on you. Can, can you answer some questions for me? Um, so that that's also super cool to have those things happen. Um, and then, you know, being put on this stage for indigenous people, um, it really didn't come until my father actually passed away three years ago. So he passed away from alcoholism. His liver ended up failing. And it, it's such a hard story, <laughs> but um, don't get emotional. <laughs> um, so basically, I had set up a phone call to speak with him finally and figure out, you know, he messaged me over Facebook through a friend saying, hey, I'd really love to talk to you about things. And, you know, someday I'd love to meet my grandchildren. I was like, you know what? Now is the, why am I holding back on this? You know, I need to know who this person is, you know, and, and know who his struggles and, and what he's went through in life because I never knew that. So we arranged for a call and I remember it popped up on my screen and it just kept ringing and kept ringing. And I was like staring at it, like, like shocked almost. I didn't answer. And I was like, oh shoot, I didn't answer. So I walked outside, did some pacing, came back. I was like, okay, really sorry. Could we do this phone call tomorrow? I'm not mentally ready yet. And so they're like, okay, we're going to call you in a couple of days. We're moving because of wildfires. No problem. We'll call you back. He ended up passing away the next day. Oh, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was probably the hardest thing. Sorry. But um, that actually um, put the fire in me. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay. Who is this person? Who who have I not known my whole life? Um, so I went back home to Northern California for the first time in, I think since I was eight years old was the last time I actually saw him. So um, very graciously, my whole Wang family just kind of like took me, you know, and in the Native community, um, it's very much kind of like I stance where you have to kind of work your way in to be trusted. So for them to just be like, no, come here. We know you were meant to be here this whole time. So I got the, you know, my uncle teaches the Greek language. Um, he's one of, I think, 
very few kind of people that still speak it fluently. I think one of five. He teaches language classes every week that I'm a part of. Um, so he told me all the stories in the, in, of the Karib people as we were driving up. This mountain is this, and this is where the, the acorn woman did this, and the, the coyote did that, and da, da 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 So I got to learn all that straight from him. Um, and I got to meet my aunt, Gina, and all these people that had just been kind of um, in the back of my head, like, who are these people? They really showed me what it is to be a Karib person and the traditions and the culture. I went to visit um, where we have all our ceremonies and things like that. And we don't have powwows. <laughs> we don't have powwows. There's no commercial dancing or selling jewelry. It, our ceremonies are basically family gatherings um, where people get together and they dance together. Um, uh, it's a very spiritual. Uh, and it, it is all centered around family. So, you know, I just have been learning so many things. And it's been what we call a reconnection journey this past three years where I've learned the most I've ever learned about myself as a Native. Um, and sometimes I'm like, okay, well, Natives aren't really concentrating on figure skating. You know what I mean? They're concentrating on getting their language back their traditions back because as it explained to me, we lost a whole generation of elders in boarding schools. We we're not allowed to do any of that. We're not allowed to speak their language. Um, you know, and that's all coming up to the boarding school. Uh, awful. It's just awful stories. Um, but we did lose a whole generation of trauma there. And so when they got out of boarding schools, if they were lucky, um, a lot of traditions didn't get passed down. So we're going back now and relearning the languages, relearning ceremonies, now that we're able to actually practice ceremonies um, publicly. Um, you know, regalia, I've been learning a lot about how to make regalia, and it's not just something you buy, you make it, you know, with your own hands, from your own heart. So, you know, when you're buying native jewelry, it's really coming from that person inside and their good feelings. So yeah, that's kind of my reconnection story. I am now trying to present the idea of, of figure skating to the native community. It's a big journey because like I said, it's not first on their list, um, but I'm trying to provide opportunities like what I did, uh, I think it was two weekends ago, we had a roller skating there's no ice rinks so um we did roller skating instead and i got some pick skates and i did my best to do a program for them um and they thought it was the best thing ever you know so um i got to tell my story through slideshow and um i got to meet the best part about it is meeting the youth and um when a mom comes up to me and says you know what my mom went through that too or the kids like you know what i know i can do this because you did it um, that's the thing that I'm most proud of. So that reconnection journey is the coolest. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. You were just mentioning that you're learning the language and that there are only five people left that fluently speak it. 
that really, I think, solidifies the importance of being able to pass things down and learn those things now because those who know them are not going to be here forever. And so it's important to learn and know and grow. But on the flip side of that too, it's you're meeting them by holding this roller skating event. You're meeting them where they are because there's no ice. You're still starting the process. You're just getting a little creative to bring that to them and that's that's pretty incredible and it's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the podcast um because we we wanted to hear the story wanted you to be able to share your story and and showcase some of the special things that um go on in your tribe and how you're reconnecting to that piece of you that you were not so connected to growing up and how it feels for you to be able to do that now. I think it shows too that it's never too late to be able to do that if you put yourself out there. I mean, when your dad passed away and you weren't able to connect with him, you didn't give up. You just used that to fuel you to move forward and build those connections. And I think that's really commendable. And testament to who you are as a person thank you like you didn't get to really talk oh sorry I was just gonna say you didn't really get to talk to him and you but you then it was like the starting point of the you know bringing you closer to your family and um and really you know being more into your culture and learning about it and growing it so you know you know you're sad that that chance didn't happen that you got to talk with your father but the blessing that came from it you know um going forward so yeah one more thing about that is when I did go back for the first time I was able to visit um the elders housing where he lived um so he lived on Kaduk territory and um one of the things that I found in his house were um my certificate which I now have in my house of um and it, I'm going to get it. I'm going to show you. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh. So I had gotten this right after the Olympics. Um, given to the individuals whose achievements exemplify and honor the UIHS mission by contributing to the health and wellness of our community presented to Naomi Lang for being the first Native American Indian in the United States Winter Olympic team for being a role model to American Indian youth of our country. So I actually sent this to my dad right after the Olympics because, you know, it was his his line of heritage that gave me that or let me make history. So I found that hanging in his wall, hanging on his wall in his house. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. So, he, you know, he really did pay attention. And I there were pictures with newspaper articles about me. And my kids, you know, my mom was still sending in pictures and things like that. So all those were on his wall. Um, and I found, um, so he would be going to treatment centers. And he'd had certificates of when he had passed his treatment for alcoholism. So it was a, it was a battle for him. So he would get out and have another fallback and then go back. So, he, you know, that to me um, showed that he fought through his whole life for, for 
what he wanted and to try to get out of his struggles. Um, so to see him in that light, I think is how I was meant to see him, not in a different light, you know? So everything kind of worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, even though I can't hug my dad, it's, it's a positive memory. So Anne and I were talking and she brought it to my attention and I, I realized it after she said it, I, that there are terms in skating that are Native American, like Mohawk and Choctaw. And had, and mm-hmm. she wanted to know what you ever, th- what you thought of that, that w- there are these terms that we have that skaters are learning Mohawks and Choctaws and doing them all the time. What you thought of that and how maybe they, how did, I don't, my, how did they even come about? Like, cause you know, so, and, yeah, there was a big discussion about this a while back. Um, you know, for me, um, for me, I would say it doesn't bother me that we call things Mohawks or Choctaws. Um, and I guess from doing research that it came from the style of dance that somebody saw a native do at a show. Um, I would have more of a problem with a native having to do a show for it. English people, because that's where it came from. This native was at a show and they were like, oh, they dance like this. So they made the move out of their dancing from that native show. Um, So for me, I don't find it inappropriate that they're called Choctaws and Mohawks. You know, I think that if anything, people will go and be like, why is it called a Choctaw? You know, and maybe learn about the tribe. Or, you know, something like that. It could be made into more of a positive thing. Um, I, I'm not offended by it. I don't think natives would be offended by it either. Um, I did put it up on Facebook and had, like, my native community kind of comment on it. And there were some people who went off and were like, that's absolutely inappropriate. Why would you use that in, in that way? It's not yours to use. And, and that's hard, you know, like you could take it either way for me as a person, I don't find it inappropriate. I think it could be used in a positive way. Um, and I can also see the other point of view of it being inappropriate. So I didn't even answer your question. (laughs) You did. I think Escape Canada has taken steps They're to change and change things and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and all of that stuff which is fine I think you know if if somebody has a problem saying mohawk or Choctaw, then don't say it they ask curve or see curve um I'm still gonna call it mohawk and Choctaw. and if somebody says well why is it called that I'm gonna tell them why so yeah yeah like I didn't you know I learned mohawks and Choctaws, and I didn't really, you know, like it having the conversation with Anne and I was like, oh, you know, you're right. But I, I get it that it is definitely a learning like experience. Like now, you know, I went and looked it up when we, you know, her and I talked and I was just like, okay, I see why they were called that. First, I was like, 
with not as many, you know, Native Americans in skating, how did those terms even get in to the sport? Um, you know, and it just was, yeah, I think it's a definitely a, like a learning experience. And, you know, if people are uncomfortable, there are the other ways of um, calling those, you know, both of those things. So, yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was interesting because sometimes you just don't, and I don't think I realized that not just be, I was just not being naive about it. I just didn't, and like, you just are learning things and you just didn't it's realize. It's a mohawk and a chop It's chop chop, you yeah. know, but it's always done. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I do, I do get kids and I'm like, well, why is it called a mohawk? Yeah. And then I'm like, well, let me tell you about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll have a little conversation about it. I do think education in our community is super important. You know, like a lot of people ask me questions and sometimes I don't have the answer and I have to go look things up, you know? So it's all about educating yourself and making sure that, you know, you're giving the right appreciation to the tribes or whatever the name is that you look it up and educate yourself. Well, let's shift to a couple. We have a couple of questions um, before we wrap up. We wanted to talk a little bit about... Your own synchro team participation. <laughs> Which I think is how so did, cool. How did that how did that come about? Like you're, uh, you're training yes. solo dancers um, and some of your solo skaters also participate in synchro. But how did it turn out that you ended up joining a synchro team? <laughs> okay, so at my rink, I'm pretty much there from morning until 5 p.m. every day so I pretty much see everything that's going on during the day you know um so there's this one day I, every Tuesday this, this master's team would come out and you know they're doing their thing and I just sit and eat my lunch and I'm watching them and I'm like hmm, that looks interesting I'm like, I've never seen synchro before this is cool so um I just kept watching every Tuesday and, and one Tuesday, like half the team wasn't there. I don't know why. I was like, well, why don't I just go out and see what it's all about? If they need an extra person, you know, whatever. And they could, they were all like, Naomi, when are you going to join Synchro? We see you watching. Are you going to, are you going to come out with us? <laughs> they were like, kind of like, come on, you're just sitting there. Just come out and try it, you know? So I was like, all right, I'm going to go out. So I went and put my skates on. And I had the most fun skating I've had in a really long time. Um, I don't get to perform anymore with Peter. So this was kind of like an outlet of fun skating with other ladies that just want to enjoy what they're doing. And um, that's purely what it is. So we have all of our directors from the Ice Den are on the team. <laughs> And we have, I think, like five Disney, retired Disney skaters um, and a lot of like high level synchro skaters that had retired. So it's like an amazing team. We're a really good team. So we get each other amped up. Um, but that's basically kind of how it happened. I just was just watching. I was like, interested. I'm like, hmm, what is this synchro thing all about? And it ended up being the most fun I've ever had in my life. We are a riot. <laughs> and, you know. It's just we're a good group of ladies that are having fun out there. One of the comments we get is, you guys look like you are having the best time. It's because we are. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, you won a competition recently, correct? 
Yes, we just won the fall classic in Irvine. So last year was our first official year on the map as an ice to net masters team. Um, and we placed seventh at nationals. Um, we gained seven points. Our first competition was sectionals. So like we had no idea what we were doing. We're like, okay, well, maybe we'll get this element. I don't know. So after sectionals, we upped our score um, by seven points by reinventing things. So this year we were like, all right, let's do this. So this year we started at the score that we placed at nationals. So, and we won out of 17. So that was such a cool feeling to be kind of first in Pacific at that point in time. And we're excited for the season to see what we can do. It's only our second season. So. Yeah. I went to synchro worlds and let me tell you, that is just so much fun. Those synchro teams are really good and the fans just get so into it it's just like a really big party it was just really a cool experience when we get to break out the pom-poms for the other teams like i am i'm the best cheerleader let me tell you (laughs) it is so much fun we have our own sections where we sit you know the ice net section and we're all there in our blue and we're going crazy for the teams. It is like a football game out there. It is so loud. <laughs> but honestly, the, the, you know, when you see Synchro done right, oh. it is amazing. I've never mm-hmm. seen it since last year. It was my first time at Nationals. So I was in awe. It was beautiful. It was amazing and amazing how many different ice dance elements go into Synchro and vice versa. Um, so that was really neat to see. Really cool. Yeah. It was incredible. When I went, I was just, it was the first time I ever saw it in person. Um, you know, I may have seen some teams here or there, but seeing the high level international competitors, it was just, it was incredible. Yeah. Oh, I bet that was amazing. <laughs> I go every competition. I watch every single event just to like, cause it's so cool just to yeah. see what everyone's doing. Yeah. And yeah. I'll be there all day long. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of your solo dancers do also participate on synchro teams is that right yes i think about half of the team is also participating in synchro so i'm really trying to um with our synchro director as well jamie um merge the merge the two so you know our high level dancers when they get on synchro and you see that technique you know what i mean it's just different when you're in ice dance you can tell the ice dancers on the team, right? So, yes. you know, I'm really trying to merge the two programs so it um, helps each other um, and we're successful, both of us. So by having the ice dancers do synchro, I think it's it's really good for the synchro program. And for synchro to advertise the dance program, I get a lot of new dancers cycling out of synchro all the time that either want to test learn technique from those dancers that were on the team. How, how did they do all that? Um, how do they have beautiful lines? So, you know, it's really just a big mosh pot of awesomeness. <laughs> 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 no, but it, it, it works well together. So we're really lucky. Well, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, this was a lot of fun to get to learn more about everything that you have going on. I know you're super busy, but we're very appreciative that you had time to chat with us today. Um, 
Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? Well, you can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com on social media and the site formerly known as Twitter at thiswkinskating and then Facebook and Instagram. It's thisweekinskating. We're also on threads. We love your feedback or your questions. If you have a question for Naomi that we can pass along to her, you can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. Yes. And Naomi, if anyone wants to follow your adventures, where can they find you on social media? So on Instagram and on Facebook, it's Naomi Lang Strong. Um, or you could follow our adventures and the Ice Den Solo Ice Dance team on Instagram as well. We have a lot of fun stories that go up there. Um, and just thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Part of my morning this morning and starting off the week right. So thank you so much for having me today. Yeah. Glad you could come and talk with us. And I, it was an honor to talk to you because I watched you and Peter growing up. So um, so I was glad that we could make this happen and that we could have you on. Um, so and I'm looking forward to seeing what is next. Um, what What's your next? Is it our competition for ice dance or synchro coming up? What do you got? What's coming up next? Yeah, we're kind of in our synchro stage right now. So we're going to have sectionals in January. So we, we have to beat two teams to make it to nationals. Um, so <laughs> hopefully we can do that and move on. And that's kind of our next thing. And just the holidays. Well, happy holidays, everybody. Yes. Well, good luck. And we'll be watching. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Yay. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have an ice week! <laughs> <laughs>